0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what
1: you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. So all you people who think this is a party or a picnic. Lisa, keep going, Lisa, keep going. You're the Vineyard Westside ambassador. Keep it going. Go say hi to everybody. Hey, good morning, my name's Kevin. I'm gonna do a few quick announcements before our guest speaker comes up. But before we do that, let's take up our collection, and I will pray over that, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the hearts and the families that are represented here. Father, I would just ask, just like we, just like we worshiped a few minutes ago, we are laying down our pain, We are laying down our sorrows for the joy of the Lord. And so, Father, we just ask that right now, that if we're listening to the wrong voices, if if we are listening to things from our past that are not good and not from you, that those would just drop by the wayside. So, Father, we love you. We ask for your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Teach us how to be cheerful givers. And all God's kids said, amen. Okay. Hey, so um, I only have one announcement. Every time they give me this mic, I only get one announcement. I don't know why that is, but we're going to go after it. So uh, at the Connections desk, there is more information. Last week it was announced about the Stay mission program that we have coming up. So again, that, um, that data, that paperwork is at the Connections desk if you want more information. But um, as I think you know, we're very much of a missions-focused church, both locally, internationally. And we even go into Kentucky, so what's that tell you? So when we go down to Big Creek. So, so that's, that's near and dear to this house and, and near and dear to the leadership here. So pick up more information about stay missions and you can participate as you can, as you're led. With that said, I wanna announce, um, so let me backtrack here for a minute. So Ryan Detzel has a bad back, his back went out. Everybody said, ah, aw, uh, that's right. Because what happened is, Ryan doesn't know it yet. He's probably listening in pajama land, but he, he doesn't know this, but he's getting to the age where his mind still says yes, but his, but his body says, nah, baby, nah, and ain't happening. So anyway, his, his back went out. But we're fortunate enough to have Ron Heineman with us today. And for those of you who might know Ron, he's from VCC. He has a long history. He has, Vien- he has Vineyard DNA. And he's been a coach to me personally. He's been a mentor of mine from a leadership perspective here at the church. Uh, he has spoken to our board before, and so anyway, he's just a friend of this house. And so I'm going to invite Ron to come on up. He's going to he's going to bring the message today, and if you would bless him. So just as a final reminder to Ron, see that clock right there? Yeah. Got okay. It. Good. We, we already gave him the rundown and the lowdown, so it's all good. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, Kevin. Good
0: morning, Westside. Yeah. Well, I'm getting situated, everybody stand up, but don't move and give two fist bumps to somebody around you. That's the new COVID protocol. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I heard Kevin's warning about visitation and okay okay as kevin mentioned uh i love this church i've uh, been part of the vineyard movement for years um and what it's about it's not a denomination but it's the gospel and um and at least our part and that uh, vineyard is usually a combination of many of you pentecostals cessationist we can go into that later if you want and um Charismatics and Catholic brothers and sisters in the mix. And so that's, that's the gospel. That's where we're at is the vineyard. And your outreach in this community is amazing. So the size of this church doesn't have anything to do with the impact. I'm, I'm the executive director of Calvary Behavioral Health. We're a counseling. And we also do mental health addiction and, and uh, uh, medically assisted treatment for addicts. And um, I did that. Uh, Long story short, I, um, in my 40s, felt God leading me out of the business world. I'm still bivocational and um, in the finance world. But I've also gone on to uh, earn my um, counseling residency and my license. And so a lot of my my purpose in this today is a lot of which I'm going to share with you. Is sitting hour after hour with people in pain be it pastors be it um, children be it parents be it marriages and um, if I didn't believe in this and how the scriptures back up and support what we're doing this would be insane to sit hour after hour with somebody in pain it affects us as therapists and it causes us to examine ourselves as therapists And so from that standpoint, sharing with you uh, what I hear in the counseling room and what causes people to get stuck, what causes people to move through it and get better. So we're going to start with understanding grace. And grace is going to be important because we're not going to get psychobabble here. We're not going to get Christianese here. We're going to talk about the interface of all of this. If you're in pain, you don't really care about a lecture that's of the Christianese or the psychobabble stuff. You just want to know how to get better. And so what we find is, as guilt is a major, major underlying component that you may not even be aware of in your life. Okay. And so let's, let's talk about uh, Psalms 23, if we can. If we could go to that, please. Okay, so in Psalms 23, I'll just give you, David uh, is dealing with the guilt of Bathsheba and murder, right? And remember, God said, David, you're a man after my own heart. But he he could not get over that guilt. So he began to try to medicate his guilt. A lot of what we see in the counseling room is people acting out or it's a manifestation of, Of an underlying guilt because of their failure to understand grace and and we're not talking about the christian grace that you hear we're going to go deeper on what grace is it's forgiveness without merit have you ever seen and had the occasion to go to a wedding and see an ice sculpture that's at an outside august wedding i saw this and the ice scripture uh, ice sculpture is melting through this through the time of the reception and after time I was watching that and it gets down to nothing and then the next day the sun in 90 degree weather evaporates the rest of the water that's our forgiveness of sin uh what Christ did on the cross that's what it looks like yet we still carry this guilt and keep moving around so let's suspect um or, or let's talk about the fact that I may have come in this sanctuary early this morning and put an envelope under your chairs that says, don't look yet." okay That may have says, that may have said, "I know what you're doing. I know what you did." How are you feeling right now? And I know. Feeling a little anxious? Anxiety? In that situation? Sure. You can relax. I didn't do that. Okay. So, 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 but did you notice right away, because you are God's creation, he instilled in you and me the Holy Spirit once we got saved. But he also in people that aren't saved. So we're going to talk about Law. We're going to talk about grace. Okay. Law never can change people. If you're raised Pentecostal like I have, they, they're big on the law and they beat me over the head with it. Not, they would deny that, but you know, I felt like I had to get saved every week and on and on and on. Law does not change people. It doesn't. It does show us the need for who? God, right? So remember, law does not change people. Quoting the law to people does not change. You can only only break yourself against the law. The law can't change you, right? Think that through a minute. So when we look at um, how do people grow, how do we relieve the pain of guilt? So in David's case, he had to admit the guilt, right? He had to go to God, he had to admit the guilt. Now, in therapy, what we've noticed over time is I work with people, there's a tendency to blame God, especially as Christians or in non-Christians, I hear it all the time. And what does that look like? Well, let me give you a minor example. I was working on this message. They asked me to fill in for Ryan, who's great, by the way, and at the last minute... But I I do this from time to time and I was praying about it and so I went to Panera to get some quiet time to work on it and and drink coffee and so I got through after about two hours of putting it together and uh, we're not going to go two hours so relax but but um (laughs) uh unless the spirit moves but but anyway the the um uh and then all of a sudden when I went to get another cup of coffee I came back, and I, I lost it all. I didn't save it. And I found myself saying, really, God? Really? Or when my kids were teenagers, and they'd lose their homework on the computer, and all that kind of thing. Of course, my response was, why didn't you save it? <laughs> right? What's wrong with you? You know better. Okay? So do you see how we use the law on ourselves? as well as other, My kids didn't need to hear that. That self-talk in me of guilt is like a trapdoor that keeps coming into your mind. Okay. And so from that standpoint David had to confess what he did to God eventually he did to begin to reconcile. Okay. Gu- guilt is one of the most crippling diseases among people today Psychiatrists and doctors say that unresolved guilt is the number one cause of mental illness and suicide. When a client comes in to see us, they always sit down and I ask them, what brings you to counseling? And first of all, they've had enough guts to come. But that tells us at this stage, they've been thinking about it and in pain for a long time before they made that call. So we're gonna talk about pain in a positive way as well. So when they come in, I, or our other therapists, ask them what brings them to counseling. And I can guarantee you this, that the presenting problem they give us is never the real problem. Okay? It's never the real problem. What we're listening for, maybe in session two or three, is breakdowns in relationships. That's the first thing we're trained to go to. How are they doing with their kids, their parents, Uh, Are their parents deceased? Uh, Is there an issue there with their parents are gone now? Did their mother and father leave them when they were young? So, there's all kind of things that go to that. So, what we find in those situations is that you will resolve guilt one way or another. You may not even know you're carrying it. It will come up in anxiety, it will come up in depression, Remember, anxiety gone unchecked for months and months will put you down or slide you down depression. So people are are eating pills like no tomorrow. Doctors are prescribing sleeping pills like never before. And what we're finding is in research is that physicians who keep treating people in chronic pain are now requiring them to see a a counselor or a therapist if they're going to continue to treat them with some drugs. Because what are they medicating? You have to find out what you're medicating in those situations. So God doesn't want us to be in that kind of pain, but he recognizes guilt, and, and the Bible talks clearly what to, do, what to do about it. Okay, before we beat guilt up too much, though, um, I want to remind you that some of it can be uh, constructive. Guilt can be like an electric fence. You go up and touch it and go, ooh, you know, there's there's something there. There's something not right in my spirit. So God, through his Holy Spirit, has given that. You need to pay attention to it all, not condemn yourself, but you need to figure it out because eventually you will resolve it. You're either going to resolve it in a good way or a bad way. There's three types of people that come to see me. One, they get better. Two is they stay stuck. And the third is they get worse. I still charge them for that, but anyway, (laughs) I'm just kidding. So, so, well, maybe a sliding scale. But anyway, because it couldn't be me as the therapist, right? So anyway, no. In those cases, we refer, and maybe I'm not everybody's cup of tea. hard, Hard for me to believe, but but anyway. So, in those situations, and my point is, there's a there's a motivation that goes on with people to get better okay and and it's usually as I begin to go through grace with them most of my clients are non-christians they don't even know the concept of grace they don't even know the concept of the cross they don't need to because God created them he created them with a fabric in them to understand their need for God okay and it's inherent in everyone, it's, it's a need for, uh, why do people go to bars, why do people, nothing against bars, if you, but I'm just saying, why do people who are lost go to bars, is they want community, and they need to be able, with a little bit of alcohol, to begin to let their barriers down, and begin to tell complete strangers things they shouldn't be telling unsafe people. Okay but that's their therapy now we laugh but it's a start if we can eventually get them to come to that's a dangerous situation you can be exploited and many things if we can get them to come to church and, and therapists aren't the answer okay this church the church is the answer for community okay people need a place in grace, where they can go and tell their story with no judgment. It's not like any of you remember the old uh, Bob Newhart shows when he was a psychiatrist? Do you? Okay, that make me feel better. Okay, <laughs> his answer what people would come in and they would tell him everything, he would say, in in his way, you'd say, Well, just stop it. You know? And they'd say, Yeah, but when I try to stop it, this happens. And you go, Well, stop that and he was pretty convincing the way he would do that but it it doesn't work so grace begins to um to to put in a healing salve so all of us are carrying some type of wound and the problem is or wounds from sexual abuse to trauma to difficult marriage to parental issues on and on and on If you look at an encapsulated cyst, any of you ever had a cyst? A cyst is full of what? Pus, right? So in an encapsulated cyst, over the years, that's what's happened to your cyst. It's become encapsulated, okay? And so the problem with that is, is when you begin to journey through that, it's painful. It's like, I got to get to that, I got to break through that cyst, Uh, or or the therapist has to, or the church does, or a friend does to begin to get the healing wound or healing salve of grace in there. For example, I work with um, several women over the years that blame God because they're not married or God brings them, uh, uh, not the right guys, let's just put it that way. And so they blame God for that. And uh, as I work with a client... I learned maybe trauma in their past, maybe trauma committed by men and um, or dependency needs where they, they wanted a relationship so much that they gave themselves away in a relationship to the point they were exploited, used and abused. So if we don't unpack that and journey through grace and they don't need to hear the sin message Okay, they've heard enough of that. They have their own compass. God put their puts His own compass, but most people can't deal with it, so they medicate it, overeating, drugs, on a, too much TV, whatever. Okay. So at that point, I began to work with this particular one lady, who um, we could fu- we found the trauma in her life. We began to work through it, and. I had to have her focus on accepting her own responsibility and not blaming God, you know. I didn't save my presentation, but my first instinct was, really, God? So, so the, the issue is that's natural in us as sinners to do that. So as we began to unpack that with her, and I said, look, and this is six, seven months into the relationship, and every week she's telling me how uh, men are bad and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them are, but, but still uh, there, there's a lot of good ones out there. Okay, And so at that point, I began to say, look, if you do exactly what I say for the next six months, I think we'll make some progress. Now, my job's not to tell people what to do. But immediately, her defenses go up. I can sense it. Plus, I'm a male therapist on top of it. So at that point, I said, hey, is if what you're doing now is not working, stop doing it. Let's do something else. Well, when I, when I began to peel her life in that humble journey as she revealed it to me, she's become more and more and more isolated. She's not even out there meeting men or how to go about meeting men and give men another chance. She's been hurt. We all get that. But in God's grace and healing, that's where it's at. She has to own her own stuff I'm broken. You're broken. That's the bad news. The good news is through Christ and his grace that he brought us, the Bible gives us the ability to work through that. Okay? Okay. So how do we relieve the pain of guilt? We talked about admitting your guilt, confronting the guilt. David uh, did not uh, conceal his inequity. Um, The Bible says David's conscience groaned all day long. Research suggests in my, uh, my experience in counseling, in my own life too, you're probably uh, thinking about something of guilt in your life about two hours a day, off and on. Okay, if I would have been a better parent, okay, um, you know, if uh, my parents uh, were, were better parents, uh, there's just this, this sense of guilt and shame. Those of you that go from guilt to shame, and again, we're not going to get into babble here, let's just dump it all in one bucket here, because grace is the answer to all of it. So, uh, you, those of you who suffer from shame, you feel like you're uniquely flawed in some way, and you just can't get through that. Men, women, kids, uh, fr- from that standpoint. So, so, after you've confronted the guilt, we've got to enter the truth. So, grace and truth, you hear that a lot, right? Make sure you don't use that as a club. But grace needs to come first, not truth and grace. Grace, truth, okay? you got to tell yourself, remember, the reason they're coming to this church or talking to you as a friend, friends can be the best healers if you don't tell people what to do. You sit with them. You, you don't, you let them be, you be safe enough. I just sit there sometimes for five, six months with people listening, okay? And then I can maybe begin to move to the truth after I listen, find out what the real problem is, begin to move to truth. And the truth has to happen biblically, but it's how you deliver the truth, okay? So um, let's talk about the truth is, truth is designed as God designed it to give you a plan forward. That's it not to smack you around, beat you over the head, make you feel more guilty. It's simply to move you forward. Here's the plan. So I go to the Bible and they go, and Proverbs, and I go, here's the plan. There's a plan in Proverbs. Read Proverbs. You know, the the Gospels. There it is. Beatitudes. I mean, it's all there, okay? But a non-Christian doesn't understand that. You can be that Jesus to that person. So, from that standpoint, after we we do that, then I need you to work on, you have to work on forgetting your guilt, okay? And that's like the ice sculpture, okay, that's a little more difficult, because it's okay, you'll get ambushed with those feelings once in a while, they'll come up, okay, it's like a trap door in your soul, remember, God made us three ways, body, mind, soul, right? So if your body's hurting you, you what? You go to the doctor, right? Okay. Your mind is your ability or your spirit mind is your ability to um, relate to God that he, he gave us. The soul is where all our wounds are. That's our heart. So because we're on this earth, because since Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, our souls are wounded, You have to keep that in your mind that uh, um, that's always going to come up and that's where the healing has to happen in that so for example truth let me give you an example I'm working with a couple and they they um, they come in and uh, it's hard to die to yourself right when you're when you're in pain and um, they have all the answers of why their marriage is in trouble And so it dawns on you after, as a therapist after a while, okay, well, if that's true, then why are you here? You you could be going to friends and going out to dinner with friends who have good marriages and, and things like that. How I had to go from grace to truth was that they knew I was for them. God is for you and me. He's for us, okay? He wants to prosper us. He doesn't want to... Um, cause pain pain is a part of the the fall so the marriage did not begin to heal until after grace and I sat with them and listened to them until I began to enter truth because they said to me in one session the the husband says this I feel like we have enough love um, to make a go of this and my truth to him was no you don't you don't. Love by itself is not going to do it. You keep wounding each other. You, um, you're not meeting each other's needs. So I had to learn this the hard way. Um, my wife suffers from depression, clinical depression over the years. And so she was working with a therapist and, and she, she would go in and talk about things, including her marriage, which I didn't know. I've been married 40, 44 years. It's how God deals with me and so the therapist female therapist says to her one day hey I'd like to I'd like to meet your husband you talk a lot about him and and so my wife comes home and says hey she wants to meet you I said okay I'm a nice guy you know we to do that. so I went into that process and so I would go in and tell her the therapist what I thought the problem was well, you know, she wrestles with depression, and on and on and on. And at the end of the session, she says, "You know what? I think you've got some things we need to work on. You need to stop focusing on her. You got some issues here." What do you mean? I've been with you 50 minutes. <laughs> so, as a Christian and having to go home and face my wife, I wasn't about to tell her I'm not doing this. So, I, <laughs> I went and. I spent seven, eight, ten sessions with her as she began to tell me what my issues were. And I would tell her what they were, and she'd say, no, they're this. But see how the truth happened, I knew she was for my wife, I knew she was for us in the marriage, but I needed truth, okay? I needed truth. And then our marriage began to really, as I got to focus off of her and onto myself, because i'm the only one i can control right your ability to change people stops at your skin right okay but giving people grace to be who they are can help the process okay so okay so let's look at the we need a true view of god okay um The true view of God says, we have the problem, not God. So as we are asked to look at everything within ourselves as the spirit reveals, then owning that is the first step. The second step is this church, when working with people that need your help and each other as friends, You have to be safe as a church. You have to let people come, sit with you, and they may say the same thing over and over and over again as your friend, or just somebody in the congregation, to the point where my supervisors, when I was in residency, I would go to them and say, "This person, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have an issue. They just seem like they're whining all the time." And the supervisor immediately picked up on my stuff about that. Oh, it's been a journey. Let me tell you. (laughs) Picked up on my stuff that, well, Ron, I think uh, because she was my supervisor and would watch me through two-way mirrors and those kind of things, she would say, I think it's because this woman has never felt heard in her whole life. So until she feels really heard, expect the same story every week. If you are with somebody, or your spouse keeps going on and on with you as a husband or a wife the same thing instead of getting irritated and ticked off and getting into a big argument maybe check yourself and say some reason my wife's not feeling heard and I other thing I have learned people don't need you to fix it one of the first things they teach us in counseling is get over your need to fix people because you can't they can and as Christians we believe we can help God with the healing, right? But being present with people, uh, for example, here's where the pain comes in as we wind up. You guys run groups here. People come in and they feel safe. And they said, well, I fell off the wagon this week. Or I yelled at my kids again. And, And so where guilt comes and anxiety comes in, here's the standard, and here's where we always achieve, right? We never get to the standard. Because God's standard, we're not going to get without the cross in front of us, right? So, but between here and here is pure agony, pure pain, okay? So when somebody comes in and says that in a group, what do we normally say to them? We say things like, um, okay, well, next week do better, I, I, it happens in AA, what does that do for you? And I'm not, I'm all four groups in AA and all that, but you just reset the standard, didn't you? Well, why did you fall off the wagon? Why did you yell at your kid? What was going on inside of you that, that caused you to lose it? Okay. You know, why are you why you and your wife not getting along? Um, and then truth says, here's the plan. Not condemnation, not beating you over the head, grace. You ca- they came to the group. You guys are giving them a lot of grace. You're loving on them. At the same time, somebody has to have eventually the ability to speak truth, right? And the truth would come from, from the Bible and those things okay so um, the anxiety is what that you feel every day is because your standards are here and you get to about here and so in between here and here is mental sandpaper you just and so being kind to yourself understanding you know that we're sinners you know, the way to introduce ourselves should be, <clears throat> hi, I'm Ron Heinemann, I'm a sinner. And, and that's the way AA does, right? Hello, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic, okay? Well, as sinners, it's just a recognition that it's okay. We've got grace, truth, we got the answer, we got the plan, and uh, it's, it's a crucifying your ego, we call it, okay, okay. Any of you dealing with depression, anxiety, phobias, overeating, those kind of things, 90% of the time, if I'm working with you, I'm, I'm looking for this. Standards, and it could be the biblical standards. It could be this church standards. It could be your parents' standards. It could be your parents' voices in your head. It could be your spouse's standards. And then here's the best we can do on our best days, okay? That, that is a setup for anxiety. Okay, and you will medicate it one way or another. You, eventually, you'll medicate it unless you get it resolved in a safe environment. So, what I had to learn to do in our marriage <clears throat> was when my wife would say things like, "I don't need you to fix this." You know, why do you go to that? Can't you empathize with me? Hey, you're talking to a therapist. What do you mean, <laughs> empathize? And so I began that journey of can't I empathize with her, meaning can I be present? Can I just sit and listen? If it's the same thing five times over, then maybe that's my need for growth. Maybe I haven't been meeting her needs in, in that. Okay, so all of us bring this baggage. But the hope in Christ in that cross is that there's answers for healing until we're in heaven when we'll be totally healed. Okay, so I got one minute. Um, Okay, in depression, uh, I'll leave you with this. If you're depressed or there's mild forms of depression and then clinical depression. Mild forms of depression can result in what we call somatized depression which is just a buzzword for your body's going to start reacting. IBS problems, um, uh, back problems, no offense, Ryan, so, um, I don't think. But anyway, the, the, the issue from that standpoint is stress and those kind of things will manifest themselves physically at some point. When depression and anxiety go unchecked too long, and the doctor doesn't know what you're talking about, and you're on your third visit with them, Believe me, he or she is suspecting. They may ask you something like, what's going on in your life? And they give you three minutes to tell them, right? (laughs) It doesn't work. A lot of doctors will refer you out. All I'm saying is there's warning signs on your dashboard going off or the Holy Spirit's revealing that you're on a slippery slope. And it may be just calling a friend, okay? Maybe that's simple. It may be coming to group here. It may be meeting right after church, okay? But when people come to you, you must be safe. You must be, and just sit with them. Be present with them, the Bible talks about. You can't fix them. Don't feel anxious that you need to fix them, okay? I can't tell you how many clients I've had that come in. Maybe they've been with me uh, six, seven months, and they'll plop in the chair and say, I really felt like driving my car off the road today and hitting a tree. I—I I mean, it's—it's it's a lot. Now, as a new therapist, you panic and want to hit. You know, they're suicidal and all that. No, what? Not all the time, okay. Now, if your friend says that to you, you need to stay with them. And just saying, "Don't do that," it's not going to help. It's what's going on. What's going on that would bring you to that point? But I hear that all the time, well, I mean, more often than I need to. And what they're basically saying is, I don't want to die, but I want the pain to stop. When I work with suicidal patients in the hospital, on their second try, and they're not successful, it's clear they don't want to die, but they need the pain to stop. So why wait till it gets to that point? The Bible gives us the grace and the truth, the plan to move forward. Okay. Um, okay, I think that's about all the time we got for today. Let's pray. And anybody that needs prayer afterwards, over here. Is my understanding how you do that? Father, I just uh, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Let the uh, ears that need to hear hear this today. Uh, let this be a prompting by your spirit to address anything through grace your grace that you designed you invented and and have given us examples of and your truth um, for the plan forward lord help us to uh, love both of those grace and truth Uh, thank you for giving us plans forward lord people bring bring people into our life that have the empathy and um, ability to sit with us through our pain uh, for healing on the other sides. And we um, believe uh, you will get the glory for that. And we just thank you for what you're doing in everyone's life here and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.